0: South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam
1: Corsair. You know, it's days like this that I reflect on a loss and I say, who booked this shit? Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene dot TV network. And yes, last night's loss against the Celtics was... Needless to say, it was devastating. More so devastating for me because, well, now I have to hear it from all my New England uh, fellow neighbors here. But yeah, you hate to see that. But hey, it's not all bad. Joining me to discuss all things Toronto Raptors put a smile on that face. Now hit
0: my music. Who is the show stopper? You can find my work at
1: lifeinrepeat.com Who is the main event? The entertaining and sexy, the champion himself. Who is the man? I am joined by the icon, The showstopper, the main event, the entertaining and sexy, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Believable. I'm sure there's another nickname that I'm forgetting because he has just so many. Mr. Peter H.B.K. of Life in Repeat. Peter, it has been since May since you've been on the show. How the hell are you?
0: Adam, Adam, Adam. When was the last time you and I chatted about real, actual, meaningful Raptors games? It's been like forever. February. But here we are. February. It's been quite the week, Adam. Let me do a brief brief (laughs) Coles notes, if you will. Versus the Lakers, we saw Lowry's 33-point special and LeBron being locked up in OG penitentiary. Against the Heat, we saw Fred's career night. Siakam put up 22 he hit four triples against the Magic. We saw a well-balanced attack led by Fred Van Fleet with his 21 points and Gasol's ever-evolving father-son relationship with Vucevic. And then we have Friday night where... Well... You know, fuck Boston. <laughs> we all know the first three bubble games really mattered, and this loss to the Celtics doesn't mean anything. That's how it works, right, of Adam?
1: Of course, yeah. No, that's it. you lose to the Celtics. Who cares? It doesn't matter because we're still the two seed, right?
0: It doesn't matter. And yes, I wanted us to get the W for obvious reasons, clinch the two seed. Adam would be in a lot more of a friskier mood if the, if the Raptors beat the Celtics. But, you know, we're here to look at the big picture we're 3 and 1 and if you told me before the seeding game started that at the halfway point against the Lakers, the Heat, the Magic mm. and the Celtics that we'd be 3 and 1, we all would have signed up for it and we're not even playing our best
1: basketball yet. Yeah, and Oh cheers. yeah, sorry. Cheers to that. Um Shoot. Yeah, I, I, I gotta agree with you, man. I, I think that, you know, despite obvious the ties that I have here in New England to uh the Boston fan base here and how they're relentless. I'm sure you saw the tweet that my cousin-in-law sent out to me, you know, in the first quarter, and he's already saying the Raptors are about to get that first loss. Um aside from that, putting that aside a little bit. I have no complaints that um, I can be nitpicky about things and I'm sure we will because that's what we do um, and you know for good reasons but otherwise I have no complaints right now the Raptors seem to be picking up right where they left off Um, you can call their defense probably the best in the bubble right now uh, again last night's performance aside but uh, otherwise man I, I think that this is this is good this is a championship caliber team. Um and again if you ignore that one loss, I I really see nothing that doesn't give me a lack of confidence heading into the playoffs. I think that the this Raptors team is destined for an Eastern Conference Finals run at the very least.
0: Yeah, like we're we're going to play Boston in the second round. That's how it's shaping up to be. Um assuming the Celtics don't get upset by maybe Philly and the six seed if Ben Simmons returns healthy. Like to me, that's a coin flip. And I actually might even favor Philly, a healthy Philly squad over Boston, but beating Boston was never going to be easy. Mm. It's never going to be a sweep. It's going to be a series that goes minimum six or seven games. Both teams are pretty much evenly matched. I would give, and maybe that's being a Raptors Homer and I would give the Raptors a slight Edge over the Celtics last night's game notwithstanding and some observant people on Raptors Twitter were pointing out that you know maybe Nurse was uh, saving some of his best matchups for the playoffs but you know it's it still stings to be down by 40 at one point it still stings to be the Friday night game on TNT big matchup big implication Siakam versus Tatum and to kind of you know come out with a dud and yeah, like obviously it's what have you done for me lately? So we kind of forget the, how it felt to be the Lakers, how it felt to beat the heat. But I agree with you. This team looks on point. Their defense has traveled to the bubble. Mm -hmm. They play consistent defense, no matter what. And that's the thing, their offense might come and go. We've read all the stats about how they're a middling half court offensive team but we hope that our defense can then make the team that we're playing a middling or even worse half court team. I do think there are areas for improvement. I do think the vast I do think everybody on the Raptors has slightly underperformed minus Fred VanVleet, who has been the best Raptor in the bubble. To me that's not even a debate. It's a period. It's end of sentence. Move on. Absolutely. Fred Van Fleet has upped his game. Everybody else we could see a little bit better. Don't get me wrong. Lowry played well against uh, the Lakers. He had 33 points, career high in rebounds, but you know what? He's only averaging 16 and a half points. He's only shooting 38% from the field. So there are things there are that this team can get better. And maybe that's the rust shake off four and a half months, find your groove. but we have seen bright spots. But I think once we dig into each kind of player, we'll kind of see, I think, how we could want a little bit more and some more players stand out more, like Norm, Ibaka, Terrence Davis, pretty much the bench, right? Our starters have been pure fire, minus the Celtics game. Our bench has sort of been easing into things. And I do think it's also part of the whole team being healthy, obviously, uh, minus Patrick McCaw, but he was an eighth or ninth man at best, right? Mm-hmm. He was never going to really factor into whether we're raising the title or not, right? So before we had Gasol would be out, Lowry would be out, Van Fleet would be out, Norm would be out. So Ibaka might play more minutes with Gasol out. Norm might play more minutes with Van Fleet out. Um, You know, like TD2 might get more minutes because of all the injuries. But now with everyone healthy, the players who have stepped up while people were injured are now having to take a step back and adjust to a new life and a new role. So we're three and one despite... I think a lot of room to improve and yeah, it's Eastern conference finals or bust. I think at this point is how I would view the season as a success or failure.
1: Yeah. And you know, you, you touched on a lot of things and I, I do think that there is a sense, I want to touch on Nick nurse first. Cause you mentioned it. I, I do think that there is a sense of Nick nurse being this sort of wizard when it comes to his scheming. And obviously he has uh, this dude's like a thousand steps ahead of the game, right? And it, that's because he wants to prepare for the 999 previous steps before it. He just wants to have his bases covered just in case he has to utilize something in the playoffs, i.e. a box and one. Like, who does that? But I do think as Raptors fans, we we sometimes overblow things. And I'm not saying that you necessarily said anything wrong or, we're, or we as Raptors fans are doing anything wrong. I'm just not sure how comfortable I am holding on to the hope that he kept some cards to the vest last night to not show his hand to Brad Stevens and the Celtics. Maybe that is true. Maybe it is. But after a performance like last night, I wouldn't necessarily be upset if they just lost and it was a close game. But this was sort of a blowout. The Raptors didn't have a lead throughout the entire game. And for me, I'm not sure that that is a notion of, oh, maybe the Celtics have figured something out because they were playing stout defensively. They really were. And they were moving the ball pretty well. Or if it was legitimately Nick Nurse saying, look, we're going to lock up the two seed. Let's, let's just ease into this zone. We can, you know, have that Kawhi mentality of these are practice games. Let's save our bullets and chips for the playoffs. So where do you stand on this?
0: Well, the, the obvious one is that OG was not on Tatum, right? But these are all, I feel like we're just grasping at straws a little. Like for the first three quarters until pretty much late in the third when the Celtics blew the wheels off us. We were playing our starters major minutes like it was a close mm-hmm. game. And so yeah. it's not like how the Bucks lost to the Nets, right? Like they're Giannis, So Middleton, they only played the first half and and you could kind of tell that they were just sort of toying around a little, right? The Raptors seemed like they wanted this one. Shots weren't falling. Um, which is going to happen, you know, like we're we're it's not going we're not gonna shoot fifty for fifty percent from three every game like we did against the Heat. Mm. Um, but you know, like one of the advantages I think we have against Boston is our size, and that's Gasol, that's Ibaka down in the paint. That's even Siakam down in the paint, and even OG. It felt like we were settling for jumpers, and I think it's very easy to say, well, yeah that's what we were going to do because we didn't want to show our cards and, and stuff like that. And I'm sure there is an element of truth to it. And the biggest indicator of that is I think come playoff time, OG is uh, Tatum's going to get the, the full OG treatment. Hmm. And we did not see that OG was guarding Hayward in the first half. And I think in the second half, he started out on Kemba Walker. So there was definitely a little bit of experimentation, but any time you lose by forty, it kind of exposes some weak points that the, the the earlier wins covered up, and we've touched I've touched on it. Our bench play, Siakam kind of being disappointing. It kind of highlights those things. But are we going to overreact to one game? Absolutely not. You know we're champs. We don't we don't sweat a one game losing streak you know and we only need one game to clinch the two seeds so maybe they get that against the grizzlies and then nick nurse spends the next three games sort of building up the confidence of the bench but i i say the celtics gave it to us they showed us that they can play defense just as well as us if not better and i tweeted this last night i think i even comment it was on a comment on your tweet that i think the Raptors were kind of surprised that a team played defense on them like they do against the team. And it kind of shook them a little. Right, They got punched in the mouth right off the bat and it kind of stunned them. And they, they didn't have a response. And I, I, they just looked shook. And they were like, oh, another team can do this? So you know what? Maybe in the long run, getting embarrassed like that Friday night. And I'm sure I, I haven't been online, but I'm sure Um, are the NBA analysts based out of the US are now discounting us and saying, see, told you they're not good. So that's where we thrive. We we don't want to be talked about as the good team and stuff like that. Like, for example, I don't know if you saw on ESPN, Kirk Goldsbury, one of my favorite writers, he put his top five players of the bubble and he puts Siakam on the list. And of course, Raptors Twitter, they get recognition, but then they have a problem with it. They're like, no, it's not Siakam, it's Fred Van Vliet. get it right. So <laughs> even when we do get the recognition, we're mad about the recognition. So I feel we're best being disrespected, being underlooked. And, you know, like to me, it used to bother me a lot more. And now it doesn't, you know, I I look at my championship ring and I feel a lot better because banners fly forever, man. And I think the Raptors work best being an underdog.
1: I do think that speaks to the psychology of Toronto Raptors fans and the team in general. And I'm pretty sure you and I have touched on this already, but uh, in, in a previous episode, but You know, when you look at the identity of this team, it's always been one that has a fabric of disrespect from other uh, media members, specifically those in the U.S. Um, That's part of who we are as Raptors fans, right? Without that, what are we? Really, if you think about it for a second, if you take away that aspect of our fanhood and take away the, the constant battle that we have with recognition or lack thereof, from the U.S. media or from, you know, just talking heads out there, that takes away a lot from us, right? And I'm not saying this is what defines us, but it's something that I feel like we thrive on as both players in the bubble right now and as a team for the Toronto Raptors and as fans, right? We need that sort of slander. We need that sort of pushback to to sort of ignite us, right? We need that to sort of build us up as a fan base, and that sort of brings us together. I know it's kind of corny, but the psychology about it, I feel, is essential. Now that ESPN specifically, as you already mentioned, there are other areas that they do give the Toronto Raptors a lot of credit, and they have been talking about them as underdogs. So I guess in that aspect, maybe this loss will sort of ignite them if they're taking it seriously, and I have no doubt that they sort of are, and, I'm, and by they, I mean the team. Um, if they do you know, sort of take that and run with it, if the U.S. media is saying, hey, see, I told you they weren't that good, maybe this will benefit the Raptors in a way.
0: I think, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, that identity suits us. And it's also why Lowry has become this cult-like figure because his game is pretty much how the Raptors fan base feels, Yeah, right? It's clear Lowry's underappreciated. It's clear he's overlooked. He's clearly one of the top three or top five point guards in the league. In the East, he's the best point guard, but he doesn't get that respect. So it's, that's why I feel like Lowry's the perfect player for to cover that, that encompasses that, what you described, that psychological aspect of being a Raptors fan, that overlooked, underappreciated, and of course our star player since DeMar left, um, and now that Kawhi left, it's obviously Lowry and, and Lowry's been like that. Oh, he's, he's choked in the playoffs. He's done that. He fits the mold of how we feel the Raptors are treated. So that's why I think Lowry who deserves it. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's why he has that extra hook on the fan base.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He He's pretty much a microcosm of what this fan base represents. Right. And just the way he plays in that bulldog mentality, um, maybe that is uh, rubbed off on the Toronto Raptors fan base and how they respond to slander and how they respond to disrespect. And look, there are other players out there that you can say, uh, you you can probably put toe-to-toe to to Kyle Lowry. I know Chris Ball uh, comes to mind, but again, you mentioned that in the Eastern Conference, I don't think anybody's there. I really don't. And maybe even the second best would be Fred Van Vliet. You could make that (laughs) argument for sure. Look,
0: (laughs) I've said this. Give me Fred Van Fleet over Kemba Walker over Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. Any day. You want to know why? I've seen how Fred Van Fleet performs on the biggest stage. I've seen Fred Van Fleet get a finals MVP vote. I've seen Fred Van Fleet put us on his back against the Bucks by being NBA jam levels of on fire from three. I haven't seen that from Kemba. I haven't seen, I don't know if he's even won a playoff game. He hasn't been out of the first round for sure. Ben Simmons refuses to help his team win because he's embarrassed about missing a couple threes. You know, you know like what the key to success in life is, people? Failing. You need to fail so many times in order to have success. And if you're not willing to fail like Ben Simmons is, there is a cap on how good Philly can be. Everyone's always like, oh, Philly can go to the East if Embiid stays in shape, if Ben Simmons develops a jumper. If if, if if the reason your team is going to the finals needs to be qualified by a handful of ifs, Your team's not going to the finals. And Ben Simmons, he's going to be 60 years old in a senior men's league. And someone's going to be posting on Twitter. I saw him shooting corner threes at the local YMCA. He's going to lead his local rec men's team to the senior championship. It's not happening, people. And until your player on your team is willing to do those things that make them look bad in order to help the team they're not going to win wasn't siakam at one point shooting 22 from three yeah he kept jacking it and now he's a respectable shooter that's helped him take a leap yannis everyone says the three-pointers is whole he doesn't hide from it he'll take four or five a game and hope every year it goes up a little bit and and Simmons doesn't do. I don't know how we got down this path, Adam. But this is—I've <laughs> I, I tied myself up in knots with all my pet peeves. <laughs>
1: Well, look, look. Let, let's let's start from the beginning here, okay? So we're four games deep, as you mentioned. The Raptors right now are three and one in the bubble, and there's a lot to be respected about that. There's not a lot to be discouraged, despite the loss. I have to keep qualifying that. I know that if, I I feel with Raptors Twitter especially that if this wasn't the Boston Celtics and it was say the Miami Heat, I think people would think this is par for the course, right? I'm not sure that people would be that but her about a loss to the heat in comparison to a loss from the Celtics. But there's a whole lot of history behind that. And I understand that. Um, But regardless, look, they're, they're three and one in the bubble. They edged out two victories. And I wouldn't even see, say, edge out a victory against the Lakers. They pummeled the Lakers. They edged out a victory against the heat. They took one clean or the, the, the magic pretty much. And if we're being honest, they got decimated by the Celtics. You can break down any or all four of these games as you'd like. It does not matter to me, but in your personal opinion, what are your biggest takeaways over these past four games?
0: Wow. That's, that's, that's a big question. Uh, yeah. You know, like the Lakers game, we, we beat them by 15. It was close for the first two and a half minutes. And at some point, Actually, no, it was close early in the fourth. I should I shouldn't say that. Because there was a sequence in the fourth quarter where, and this was my favorite sequence of the week, I have to say. Hmm. LeBron early in the fourth hit back to back triples to put the Lakers up 76-72. OG on the next two possessions said, I can do better. Yeah. Knocked that. Well, not better. I can match that. Hits one three, hits another. We're back up two. They never looked back. And I want to talk about the defense against the Lakers because that's where it really reminded everyone. Oh, yes, the Raptors are really good on D. We know where they're ranked second. We know all the defensive stats, but it reminded everyone just how good this team is. We held the Lakers to a season low, 35.4% shooting. They hit 25% of their threes. Our defense did what it always does. They forced the non-stars to beat them. Anthony Davis, seven shots across 35 minutes. He averages 17.8 shots per, per game. He took 10 less shots because he couldn't get anything. LeBron took 15 shots. He averages 19 and a half shots per game. The rest of the Lakers were 24 60. The, the defense did what it always does it shuts down the other team's star players. Miami, Duncan Robinson, now he's not one of their star players, but he's kind of one of the guys that, that the glue guys that holds everything together, that allows Butler and Bam to do what they do because he can spread the four, the floor. He's hitting 45% of his threes on 8.3 attempts per game. Adam, he could only get four off against mm. the Raptors and he hit one of them. So this team does what it needs to do. The magic game, well-balanced attack, the defense. You tweeted it, A defense, offense wins games, defense wins championships. And I always say, you don't win a game in the first quarter, you could lose a game in the first quarter. And the Magic lost that game in the first quarter, 11 first quarter points, and the rest of the game was pretty much a, a, a write-off. It was the, the Raptors were pretty much the, the equivalent of a, a cat playing with a dead mouse. And then when it came time to put them away, they they just did. It was over in the first the Celtics game left uh, a lot to be desired, right? It kind of highlighted that you know Pascal Siakam, we're still waiting for that big big night. He did it against Miami in that first half. He responded to all those you know maybe Bam can guard Siakam, you know? He did it already. I was at that game when he when he shut down Siakam, um, yelled him to like 15 points on like mid 30 shooting if I remember correctly. And I still remember how I felt at that game. I remember thinking, oh that's interesting. Bam can hang with Siakam. I got to monitor this. And then (laughs) first quarter, he comes out 13 points. He starts the game, hits a three lefty drive by Bam, drops 13 in the first quarter after only having 15 against the Lakers. So he came out, he started hot. That was all we needed. He filled out the stat sheet the rest of the way, 22 points, four triples, but he has underperformed. He hasn't been the star player that we need him to be. He's averaging 15.8 points in the bubble. Yes, he's hitting close to 40% of his threes. He's only hitting 30%, 37% of his shots in the bubble, and he's got 11 turnovers in his last three games. I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's a scouting report on Siakam, and now Nurse needs to make that, that uh, the counter adjustment, but... We're still waiting for that game where Siakam says, oh, yeah, I, I am a top 10 player. That's why I'm going to be on an all NBA team. And that's why I'm the best player on the Raptors, in my humble opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think that there is an element and we've talked about this on Twitter. Um, There is an element of Pascal Siakam that you're thirsting for more. Um, And that it says nothing about his abilities. We've seen it. We've seen him play at an elite level. We've seen this happen. But. Uh, you can say that the Lakers game, he, he played up to par and he did, he, he didn't have a bad game against the Lakers. He was, you know, he had his rhythm there and he was flowing, but uh, since then hasn't really been the Pascal Siakam that we're used to. Um, I don't want to pick on him too much and I'm sure we're going to break him down a little bit later on in the show, but for me, I just need to see more. I just, I, I know it's there and that's why it's a little bit more frustrating because I know his potential. And again, we, we've seen him play at an elite level. I just need to see more from him here. And again, I don't know if this is an aspect of him uh, keeping his bullets for the playoffs. I'm, I, I don't want to speculate on that, but I can only imagine that maybe it's a rhythm thing. Maybe it's a flow thing. Maybe it's a chemistry thing. I, I, these intangibles that do exist when it comes to having this long, what, five-month layoff or four-and-a-half-month layoff of playing basketball. Um, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that I'll, I'll give you these eight games, Pascal, to sort of develop or to get your feet wet or to get your legs loose. I'll give you these eight games, but come playoff time, I need to see more. I need it because you are the centerpiece of this team when it comes to its future, right? You are the guy that we're sort of building around and we're relying on. And that doesn't mean that you he has to have all this pressure and the weight of the world is on his shoulders for the Raptors to succeed, but he is absolutely a giant element when it comes to their success, especially in the playoffs. But when, yeah. it, when it comes to the Lakers game, um, the biggest thing that I took away from that is, yes, that's a great game to win, especially against LeBron. But I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about that the Lakers aren't the real deal. That They're probably going to not make it as far as people thought into the playoffs. They're getting shut down. And throughout the course of these bubble games, it's sort of showing that they aren't playing as well as people anticipated. If any, maybe Anthony Davis isn't as healthy as he's letting on. I know he's been dealing with some things. But maybe it's PTSD within me. And this is assuming we get to the finals. But I will never discount LeBron, ever. And I know that these are seeding games, and they pretty much locked up the one seed when it comes to the Western Conference. But LeBron and the playoffs are a different level. We've seen this. And I don't want Raptors fans to make that same mistake that if we happen to meet them in the NBA finals, it's going to be a repeat of what we've seen in the regular season against this team, because I refuse to believe that.
0: Adam, if, if we lose to LeBron again, uh, I go, know. the therapy session's going to be, <laughs> we might have to actually genuinely bring in like a, a mental a health counselor yeah. for us. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, I th- you're absolutely right about LeBron, like. I think they're, LeBron's judged on a different scale. When people say, I think he's going to flame out in the playoffs, they're not talking about a first or second round exit. They're talking about maybe losing to the Clippers in the yeah. semifinals, maybe losing in the finals, right? Like I, LeBron's getting, LeBron's assuming full health for him in AD. They're going, they're going to be in the semifinals guaranteed, like yes. 90% chance, right? So there's, it, they're, he's judged on a different scale. I do have, one very minor concern about the Lakers, and it's it's their three-point shooting. Mm. They're 19th in percentage, 22nd in both makes and attempts. And it just seems to me, in this modern era of the NBA, if you're not a top three-point shooting team, you can't win the title. So I keep coming back to that stat. That I can't mentally get over. And then I look at the Clippers who have Kawhi and PG. Two elite wings who can hit the three. And we've seen Kawhi show up in a new environment. Say, hey, I got you guys. Let's go. We're going to win a title. And he does it. We've seen that he can do that. And LeBron is 35, 36. That's a lot of pressure on, on those aching knees. And that body who's had like 18 seasons, right? So... I do think, yeah, there's a very good chance LeBron could be in the finals, and there's a very good chance it could be Raptors versus Lakers. Mm. But am I going to say we're going to beat the Lakers because we beat them twice in the regular season? No, I learned my mistakes from the from uh, the DeRozan-led teams against the Cavs, right? But I'm going to hang our hat on. Oh, Adam, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm buying in. <laughs> what am I doing? Pump Bookmark the brakes, please. <laughs> Bookmark this section and play it to me when we're having our therapy session. But how could you not be impressed with OG and Siakam's switchability on AD and the LeBron pick and roll? Yeah. Only the Clippers with uh, Kawhi and PG have what we can throw at them. And so I walked away being like, OK, that was impressive. The defense OG put on LeBron and the switchability when LeBron and AD wanted to do that pick and roll and Siakam and OG being able to handle their own OG guarding Bam against the Heat. So I do think there's things we can point to, but man, I, 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 I don't even want to think about a Raptors-Lakers <laughs> finals.
1: <laughs> It'll be very stressful. I'd much rather think about a Clippers-Raptors finals, just just so we can get the revenge factor that isn't necessarily permeating throughout the fan base, but still there is a sense of uh, gratitude or a sense of uh, revenge, I guess, when it comes to beating Kawhi Leonard for the championship. But we have to get there first. But look, you're absolutely right. This Raptors defense did very well containing, and I put that in quotes, uh, both AD and LeBron. LeBron walked away with that game with twenty. All right, and again, for a LeBron standard, that's pretty much an average game. That's not anything that you can really write home about. But still, it's a it's a good effort against a, an elite defense like the Toronto Raptors have. So again, I'm not going to take anything away from the Lakers. I do think they're going to kick it into a different gear when it comes to the playoffs. But then again, you have Danny Green who has been just hot garbage, <laughs> you know, ever since pretty much joining LA. Um, So it it really rests on the shoulders of LeBron and AD, whereas you look at the Raptors, their success rests on the entire team. And a week ago, Connor and I were talking about this. We were talking about how the Raptors and their fan base might feel disrespected that there was a list of the best duos in the bubble and the Raptors weren't on it. And I said, I don't think we should necessarily feel disrespected as a result of that because there are no duos on the Raptors necessarily because they function as a great team. That speaks more to how well-functioned they are as a team and how well-structured they are, rather than just two individuals that you can point out that the Raptors need to ride or die on. So I I do think that when it comes to an entire team aspect, the Raptors are head and shoulders above the Lakers in that regard, and still even above the Clippers. The closest comp that I had to them, you can say the Celtics, I still think it's the Heat. And that's why this game against Miami, I'm sort of moving on now, that that was the most impressive win, more so than this LA game. I think that game against the Heat, because you have two teams that are just mirror images. They are the Spider-Man meme, where the two Spider-Men are pointing at each other. That is the Heat. And the the, the aspect of Jimmy Butler consistently being a Raptors killer and being absolutely crucial in the clutch situations, that game I walked away with, okay, we're going to be okay. And, and I know having the hangover against the, the Celtics game, I'm sort of, uh, I have that green day because of the Celtics. But still, that game against the Heat gives me so much confidence in this team moving forward that, yeah, I think that's the game that you can point to in the bubble and say, that is the Toronto Raptors right there.
0: Yeah, that was a, a measuring stick game, right? Like, there's so many positives that we can take out from that. And you're absolutely right. I want to touch on the the part you were saying about sort of the, the two-man lineup. Yeah, there is no like, oh, it's Lowry and Siakam. They don't really... I don't want to say they don't function as a duo because everything flows together, right? And that this is what I think this Raptors team is so deep. We have eight guys. If I told you, hey, Adam, Terrence Davis went off for 27 last night, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm. If I told you, you know what, Ibaka had 29, hit five threes, you're like, yeah, I can see that. If I told you, Norm, he dropped 35 points, that can happen. Any of our starters, maybe minus Gasol, who doesn't have that aggressive streak anymore, Any, any of our top eight players can lead the team in scoring or be the secondary guy who's like, like we saw Van Fleet against the Heat. He caught fire. He dropped 36 points. Like Not many teams have that balance-like offensive portfolio. The Heat come to mind, though, too. The Heat, the best. These are some of the things I took away from and I touched on it with the Duncan Robinson stat, how they kind of keyed in on him a little. And the guy tempted almost five less threes than he hits during the regular course of the season. Mm. The heat went 31% from three. They're the best three point shooting team in the NBA. And when they're hitting their threes and Butler and bam are doing their two man game with the floor spread out, they're just as dangerous as anyone. And I agree with you. The heat give me more pause than the Celtics do. And I'd, I'd rather play Boston in a best of seven than I'd rather the heat. And I'll tell you this much, it's no team, we are not getting swept out of the playoffs. This is not going to be a 2017-2018 postseason. Whoever eliminates us, they're going into the next round wounded, tired, exhausted, having gone 10 rounds with the champ. Like, this team is stacked, and the more we play... Even when we have a bad outing like that, and I, if the Raptors go full medal, I feel bad for the Grizzlies on Sunday. Because this is not a team that—they're led by Lowry. They have his DNA. Like, this team is going to come out guns a-blazing against the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. And if I'm wrong, Adam, just edit this part out of the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, they'll definitely but, come out with guns uh, swinging because they're all wearing their retros. So.
0: So there you go. But and you're absolutely right And that the heat, you know, they are that mirror image. They they're almost bet, like the sum of the parts are better as a whole than like the individual parts like Butler. He only some games. He only takes like eight or nine shots because mm. everything is flowing well. They have a deep bench. They got Drogic off the bench. Tyler Hero, Andre Agudala. Um, I'm sure they moved Jake Crowder into the starting lineup recently. Like they're pretty, they're a pretty stacked team and they're very well coached. And like, and I look at the Boston team and don't get me wrong. Tatum is an amazing talent. Jalen Brown is great. Gordon Hayward's great player. Kemba Walker is one of my favorite point guards to watch. Um, but their bench depth leaves a lot to be desired They only have Daniel Theiss and Ennis Cantor as their experienced bigs off the bench. And that was why I was so disappointed to see Gasol and Ibaka have a bad game. And the Raptors kind of play in to what Boston wanted us to do. They 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 wanted us to they were happy for us to shoot jumpers. They were willing for that to happen. When we didn't like we didn't get to the free throw line. I don't think we went to the free throw line once in the first quarter. I'm not going to read anything into the fourth quarter stats like no. you know what I mean? Like, oh, Like, for example, someone might look at Terrence Davis's stats and say, oh, you know what? He's actually playing pretty well. He's hitting 46.2% of his shots and 50% of his threes. You take out the garbage time against Boston, the dude's averaging 2.3 points and hitting 33% of his shots and 33% of his threes. You know what I mean? So you have to watch these games. But yeah, the Heat game, like that was a confidence builder, especially as – we needed to see that a little too, like Siakam by all means did not go off, but he showed us that he he kind of took that BAM criticism. He must have heard that, that BAM can guard him, right? And the Tatum thing, he, he, always, he must hear Siakam measured up against Tatum, Tatum measured up in Siakam and, you know, he, he didn't deliver against Boston, but, you know, in the course of a seven game series, man, to beat this Raptors team four times Whew, that team, if they do it, like I said, they're going to be limping to the next round.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I look at this, the the Celtics game, and, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't think that necessarily is going to define what's going to happen in that second round. Um, obviously, this is a devastating loss, and there are things you can nitpick, but When you look at the the LA game and the Heat game, and I'm not even going to acknowledge the Orlando game because I don't necessarily think that really matters much in the grand scheme of things in terms of an analysis. But No, the the... only
0: thing is uh, Gasol continuing to somehow have a mental block on Vucevic, (laughs) which is just incredible. But you're right. like We can't read anything into that Magic game. Other than that, the Magic can't hang with us.
1: Right, right. And if they're a first-round playoff opponent, they'll be a first-round knockout, and I don't think anybody would disagree. But... The one thing that I am sort of nitpicking on when it comes to this Toronto Raptors team, and it really showed out last night, and I'm not necessarily sure I paid much attention to it, or noticed it, rather, um, in any of the previous three games, is a, a lack of mid-range. Right? They really don't have that much mid-range, and I don't know if that spoke last night to the, to the defense that the Celtics were playing, and they just sort of allowed them to shoot from deep often, and as you mentioned in the jump of the show, the shots just weren't falling, especially from deep. Um, but there is not much of a mid-range presence when it comes to this team, and even Marc Gasol. I said to you, I'm like, I'm kind of uncomfortable <laughs> with those fadeaways, even though they <laughs> they do go in sometimes. I'm I just rather see him body his opponents getting into the paint, um, especially with someone like Tice, who I do think that Gasol could take. Um, if if Cantor had some minutes against Gasol, a substantial minutes, I'm sure Gasol could take advantage of that too. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I think that is their biggest weakness right now. The shots that they miss from deep, I I'm fine with, as long as they're getting the looks, the shots will fall eventually just keep shooting them. I want you to shoot these open shots, but the mid range game is just sort of void right now for the Toronto Raptors.
0: Yeah. And that's why we have like a middle of the pack half court offense, right? Like everyone says mid range is dead. Don't take the mid range. There's some players you want taking the mid range. Kawhi Leonard, he lived in the mid range. Mm And we were comfortable with that because he's Kawhi freaking Leonard, right? Yeah. That's what he does. Even DeMar DeRozan to a certain extent, like he could, but he was the opposite of Kawhi. Like he could thrive in the mid range, but beyond that, he, he couldn't hit his threes. Kawhi, Kawhi's a triple threat. He could get to the lane, he could drive to the lane, he could pull up from mid range, he can pull up from three. How do you guard that? And the right. guy's six foot eight and can just back you the hell down. Like we don't have a player like that. Siakam so far has. He's going to be that guy that's we're going to rely on to create that shot, like get it to him at the elbow, see what he can do. We even saw for like a two-minute flurry where Gasol sort of led the charge early in the third quarter where we cut it to 10. His playmaking was kind of the hub from the elbow in the mid-range, but we don't have that. You're absolutely right. We don't have that consistent threat. Sometimes Ibaka, when he's on, he's got that little pick-and-pop jumper. He's got that shot-put shot in the paint. He gives us a little mid-range weapon. But that's going to have to be Siakam because when you the further you go in the playoffs, you're going to go up against elite defenses. And elite defenses, they're going to force you to do things you don't want to do, much like we do to every team we play. And that weakness is going to be getting into our half court, slowing down our transition game, guarding the three-point line. We're an elite three-point shooting team with with tons of weapons and guys who aren't afraid to let fly. But when that gets stopped, when that gets bogged down, you need that one guy who can create his own shot, take his man off the dribble, even hit a three. And that's where Siakam comes in. And, I, I'm, and I'm not saying like, I'm just saying Siakam's had a rough start. I'm not viewing that as his long-term thing. I'm just viewing that as four games in the middle of what normally would be an 82-game season where you mm. forget the lulls, right? Where and the, But you look at sort of the averages. And Siakam, he's going to have to get better in that regards. He's going to have to find how he started the season. He's going to have to consistently get up to 25, 30 points because at some point they're going to start denying Lowry and Van Fleet the ball. They're going to take away their playmaking ability and it's going to come down to Siakam or dare I even say like someone off the bench like a norm, like before the shutdown and before his left ankle injury, the dude was averaging like 28 points yeah. over his last five games, 23 points over his last 10 games. In the bubble, though, he, he's taken like three steps back. He's putting up 10 points, hitting 22% of his threes. Like, Norm, like we need Norm to catch his rhythm. And we that's the thing. With Siakam, I'm confident he's going to find it. I'm confident he's going to get I don't question Siakam's uh, superstar ability And his ability to get better, like, because he's taken unprecedented steps that no other player I've seen in NBA history, going from averaging two points to an all-star starter, averaging like 23 points a game. Siakam will figure things out. Norm, we know Norm can do it, but Norm's battle, the only consistent thing about Norm is that he's inconsistent, but he was starting to put it together. And these four games have kind of been like, oh, Norm, like, we need you to re-, re we need you to find that again. And again, I don't know if we're judging these players. I'm judging these players too harshly after four games. We're three and one, but I am seeing little things that I'd like, not even little things, big things that I'd like to see improved. And if we're three and one with all these issues that you and I are chatting, if they figure this all out, we stay healthy. Siakam starts balling. Norm starts balling. Like we're going to be even a more potent team. And that's what I hope these next four games are, figuring that out. Even Nurse said after the Boston game, you know, I got to get players' confidence back up. And I think it goes back to players having new roles now. Like Norm, if all the injuries, he's playing 30-plus minutes. We might need him to do what he did in 35 minutes. We might need him to microwave that and do it in 20 minutes, right? Like, players are going to have to get used to new roles. And and Nurse has to figure out a way to get these guys guys going because – Terrence Davis, we need him as our eighth man off the bench. Like, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a rookie, you know, but I'll say this. There's, there's nothing more fun when Terrence Davis is on a hot
1: streak. That's true. That's true. And you know, I don't think that, there's necessarily anything wrong with um, nitpicking or not even nitpicking pointing out flaws in a championship caliber team I think we're beyond that I think we're beyond we're sort of at the point now where, after winning a championship we expect championship caliber especially when you have the majority of the same team the vast majority of the same team coming back and and sort of chasing another title I, I do think that we ought not to to be hesitant when it comes to pointing out flaws, pointing out things that we'd like to see improve. And the, the, moreover, I think we're pointing these out because we believe that they can, right? We've seen them play at an elite level, and so we believe that they can match that again. And I have no doubt that they will. I do think these things will be remedied. I do want to switch gears. You did touch on Terrence Davis. Look, I know you and I have had friendly back and forth so when it comes to McCall playing time over TDs, or at least we did prior to this pandemic, Um, which, by the way, get well soon, Patrick McCaw, and I mean that. Honestly, I do mean that. Um, We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the Terrence Davis situation. It's totally up to you, but we have to at least touch on it and the fact that he was, he was at one point, especially in the beginning, walking around the bubble with a hole in his mask and he was reposting sort of questionable things, sort of conspiratorial things when it comes to COVID on his Instagram. Um, I don't want to belabor the point because as far as I know, Bobby Webster and Masai Jerry had a sit down with him as a result of this, both of which I believe are in the bubble. Um, it's not a good sign when your bosses want to have a sit down with you. Believe me, I know this. Um, what are your thoughts on this and it seems like last night there was a picture of him with a mask without a hole, at least. And, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I did a zoom in <laughs> on it just to make sure. Uh, I'm not above that. And I, I expect that moving forward, Masai Jerry and Bobby Westard probably put like a bullet in this. Um, where are you with this? Do you think it's just sort of being young and, uh, and naive? Because he is a young player, as you mentioned. He's, he's a rookie and maybe easily influenced because we've all been 20-something at one point. I've been there. I get it. Uh, where do you stand on this? Well, it's a tricky topic,
0: Adam. To be honest, um, and I and I think it was deliberate that photo was posted on the Toronto Raptors' Twitter timeline yeah. of Terrence Davis wearing the mask, saying it, it, it was deliberate. I think you and I could yes. agree on that—that that he was one of the four shown. Masai and Bobby did sit down and talk with him, um, but you know, I, I I've I, I have to be honest—I was disappointed that, um, this lack of mask education and mask knowledge. And I even tweeted, I, it was more half jokingly. I think I tweeted, like, I lost like 10% respect for Terrence Davis like that. And, um, our good friend, Jade Johnson and auxiliary things, um, she's been on the show before, um, she, she politely had a tweet that said, you know, there's a reason that Kyle Lowry has education reform on Mm -hmm. the back of his Jersey. You know, like in a lot of, sadly, I'm not picking, not to pick on your home country, Adam, but in the U.S., science has been politicized. Yes. Science and scientific facts are being argued as if they're opinions. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's young like Terrence Davis, who knows what media he's consuming? Who knows if, if the leader of your country is saying things are fake news, right. what are you to believe, right? So Jay Johnson had a point. She made me see things in a light that, you know what? Yeah, education reform. There's a reason Kyle freaking Lowry has that on his jersey. It's saying that we need to properly educate people. And that's not to say that Terrence Davis is miseducated or needs to be educated further. But you could see how a young player might be caught into that. And, you know, when I was younger, I I always enjoyed a good conspiracy theory. I didn't necessarily believe in them. They were just fun alternatives and fun to discuss. And like, but anything that goes against scientific fact, that's where I always have to push back. And I'll also say this, this is a complicated thing and I don't have the answer for this. These are thoughts that have me thinking that these are thoughts that I'm thinking. There seems to be a, we're giving Terrence Davis a lot of benefit of the doubt. We're saying he's young, he's learned his lesson, he's put a mask on. We're almost giving him the benefit of the doubt because we feel like we know him. We've watched his journey this year. We've seen him play. We feel like he's one of us. He's a freaking Raptor. We cheer him on. But then I see also people spewing hate if someone walks into a Walmart without a mask, picturing it, putting it up, saying, what a fucking jackass, this person not wearing a mask. I found their LinkedIn page. I'm Google. I'm putting their boss in the tweet. Where's that compassion then for those people? Right. I'm not saying this is the right thing to do. I'm not saying that's how I feel personally. These are things that this Terrence Davis situation has me questioning. If we're going to give Terrence Davis that benefit of the doubt because we feel like we know him then where is that benefit of the doubt to these strangers who walk in places without a mask saying, I don't need a mask. It's all conspiracy. Why aren't we then saying to them, well, you know, they just need education reform. We need to be polite to them. Maybe we send them some scientific articles. So I, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying these are things I'm thinking. These are just thoughts that have been challenging me. Like if we're going to do this to people we feel we respect and know, then maybe we should be doing that with strangers too.
1: Mm, I, I do think that's a good point. Um, you but know, I'm not you, saying that's even my belief. These are
0: things, oh, sure. thoughts that are challenging me, and I'm yeah. trying to work them out in my mind.
1: I think the biggest difference, though, when you when it comes to, especially when it, when it comes to here in the United States, there are a lot of places. And Walmart, I, I'm only picking on Walmart because you mentioned them. Um, just I don't was, even
0: know if it was a Walmart. I oh, assume it, it happened at a Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> probably there or
1: Target or whatnot. But um, there are big chain stores such as Walmart and Target that you are now, as a customer, required to wear a mask. It wasn't like that, but I think within the genesis of a couple of weeks, this has now become required for each customer to come and must wear a mask. So maybe at that time, someone was just giving a customer shit because they weren't uh, applying or, or abiding, rather, by the rules of the store. I don't know. I can't speak to it. But I do think there is something to be said over the fact that, look, I'm not saying Terrence Davis can't have his own personal beliefs. If he wants to have his own personal beliefs and he wants to think that perhaps this is a hoax or perhaps that this isn't as serious as an issue as it's being reported to be, I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying he does believe this. I'm saying if he does, um, I don't agree with it, but he's obviously free to have that opinion. The problem that I have with deliberately putting a hole in the mask is This is against the protocols of the NBA. Your employers have made it clear that you must wear face coverings wherever you go and you must maintain social distance. To deliberately put a hole in it means that you are not following the rules of the NBA that they put in place to make this a success. Now, Peter, I have been on record on this podcast on Twitter. I have said that I do not think this bubble will work out because of the environment of Florida. So far, I am dead wrong about that. And welcome, I'll take that L all day. And I'm not above admitting that I was wrong about something. Totally have been wrong about it. And so far, there are zero positive cases. The NBA has proved me wrong. They are much smarter than I am. They have much more robust and scientific uh, resources than I do here on the internet. I, I'll give them that. They are doing a fantastic job. But what Terrence Davis has to understand is by wearing a hole, and I'm sure Masai and Bobby has have told him this, by wearing a hole, you are spinning in the face of these protocols. That is what I had a problem with. He is deliberately jeopardizing the season. That is what I have a problem with.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like it's 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 a bylaw in Toronto too. Like I live in a, a condo and they passed a bylaw recently. You have to wear a face mask um, in common areas. And it's like, yeah, of course, because there's an element of selflessness involved right. where it's like, I'm going to do this. Not necessarily because I'm in the target range of where someone could be affected, and but because I want to protect the community, right? And it requires buy-in from everyone. And that's not to say that's what Terrence Davis is doing, but you know, like it's it's one of those things—the the, the integrity of the bubble and. And no one knows if it's going to work or not. There's no such thing as right or wrong in these instances, right? Like you were giving your informed opinion. You're a smart guy. If you had questions, those are probably legitimate questions, you know? Like no one can guarantee that this bubble's going to work. Right. The bubble is working. We might turn on the news this afternoon and the bubble's done, right? Right. Like everything is on um, sort of like uh, – It's private. You know it. It's fragile, right? Everything is very fragile. And what it means is it requires everyone acting like a professional. Right. You're a professional basketball player. You need to act like a professional. This is not a time to believe in conspiracy theories. And I was glad and also too, it shows, you know, like people are allowed to grow. Like Terrence Davis, who he is now, is not who he's going to be tomorrow, five years from now. And it's not, like we said, it's not a coincidence we showed him with the full mask. He's, whatever it is, a lesson learned. He got some information. He was told, you don't do this. We're kicking you out of the bubble. Who knows? I don't even know if that was said. But maybe it it was the underlying message. Like, whether you believe in this or not, this is the way this is going. And it was good to see him wear the mask. And also, too, if we're going to extend, we need, it's just a reminder to be kind, to everyone and people have their own journeys to get to the truth or what they need to do to be successful in their profession. Terrence Davis messed up. I'm not going to hide behind that. He did. And it was a little disappointing, but you know, it opens up bigger discussions about, like we were saying, the political, the politicizing of science, fake news. Like how do you it's, it's such a tough time to know what is true and what is not. So I, I don't blame a young person for struggling with that. And Terrence Davis has shown the growth that he's willing to wear a mask and the Raptors culture, Masai Bobby sitting him down. And so, you know, shout out, I want to give a shout out to Jade Johnson because she, she, she showed me a different way to think about the situation. So Jade, if you're listening two thumbs up
1: for sure, for sure. And, you know, on those lines of of things that are uh, outside of the basketball realms. Like I, I kind of want to shift gears. And this sort of relates to Terrence Davis, especially last night with the mask. He was wearing a Black Lives Matter mask. And, look, I, I have to applaud the NBA for what they've been doing when it comes to uh, racial, uh, pretty much social justice for racial equality. Um, I think the NBA, when it comes to being a leader in the sports world since this pandemic hit, has been far and away the number one sports league in the world. In the world. And to have this platform, and again, they're doing everything right, to have this platform uh, where, where players are allowed to have their voices heard, whereas before, let's be honest, the NBA wouldn't allow their players to take a knee. Whether or not you agree with that is kind of irrelevant. The fact that the NBA is sort of shifting their philosophies as a result of everything that's been going down since the pandemic hit. And again, this is non-pandemic related, really. Um, I have to applaud them. I really do. And uh, allowing their players, and I use allow, and it sort of makes me icky saying it, but being ha- having the platform where players can use their voices and use their sort of status to, to be one with this movement. To me, I feel like it's a beautiful thing, and the Toronto Raptors really took the ball with this when it came to the bus, and I, I'm i just, I don't know. I, I It makes me more proud, more and more proud to be an NBA fan and to really back up a league that seems to be really progressive. Now, again, this could be lip service. They could be lying. This could be a money grabber. I don't know. I like to believe it's not, but you got to be proud with about what they're doing.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right and you know like similar to like COVID in the mass this, this is a difficult subject to talk about and I I the NBA you know like as a as someone who consumes the NBA who has a website covering the Raptors like I couldn't be happier right now to be an NBA fan and mm. however the players choose to express themselves I support it 100% and you know these last like it, it's, it's been a tough time like you know like and i've i re-examined not that i was doing anything outlandish or anything but i i feel like you know i could do more and i don't put everything i do on twitter hmm. but i you know like there's things i've done in my personal and professional life that with this new information that i'm trying to make be kind to everyone and sort of like you know like keep this movement going and not letting the black lives matter moment pass on and i don't think having sports back has taken away from it. I actually think it's highlighted it and it's actually put a bigger spotlight on it. And we're seeing all kinds of people step up, organizations step up. And it's caused the NBA to reevaluate how they've done things. Like players said, you know, like going forward in arenas, how about you know, like the league is predominantly African American, is predominantly black, like let's have black owned vendors in there. And it's like, yeah, why aren't we doing that? That's obviously makes sense. Let's do that. Give me some more, like, let me hear some more ideas. Like these are all great. And um, you know, like I, I I don't even know what else to say. I feel like I'm, I'm not the right person to be speaking on these things, but you know, like it's what the NBA is doing is incredible. And it's, it's raised my awareness it's raised my my level of concern about all these things that are happening around the world and you know it's important. Black lives matter man like they've been mistreated. they were brought to this country against their brought to the US against their will brought to other countries against their will. they've they've had to start most races you know like had to they got to start at second or third base. These guys are starting right at home plate like we need to like make it so equal for everyone that nobody has to leave. Like, you know, if I leave a job interview, I don't get the job. I never wonder if it's because the color of my skin. I've had friends tell me, you know, I wonder if it's the color of my skin. I didn't get that job. It blows my mind. And I'm like, fuck, I can't believe people think like that. And it's an awakening that not everybody thinks about these things like you and me, Adam, that there's people need to be educated about this. And the NBA is doing a wonderful job, and let, let's keep this momentum going. Let's keep this dialogue going. And I've know I've done that in my personal life. I've I've kept the dialogue going. I've I've done stuff that I that has made me proud to have done. Someone put a I I don't remember the person who tweeted this, but they said something like, you know, all, the, all that money you would have spent on Raptors tickets, how about donating to a charity? I was like, that's so fucking smart. Yeah, I never would have thought of that. And the money I would have spent on Raptors tickets, I'm not, and don't look at me, I'm not trying to say this to get any kudos. I don't post this stuff anywhere. I I did do that. And I'm proud of doing that. And learn, and I, In the process of that, I've reached out to people asking, hey, what organizations would you recommend? Because I don't know much about this. And certain people, they provided me with information. I looked it up and I was like, yeah, these organizations are great. This organization is great. Let me see how I can help. And that necessarily, like, not everybody has the means to contribute financially. And that's okay. Sometimes it's just furthering the conversation, challenging people when they have a view that is is incorrect, right? So let's keep it going, man. Like Black Lives matter the nba is doing a great job i couldn't be proud to be more of a fan and you know let's keep that dialogue going
1: you're here, here man i couldn't have said it any better myself and again i'm not trying to ignore the point i'm not trying to say okay that's enough i'm just saying i can't top that i think that was very well said and you know that it, it it makes me proud to be not only just a toronto raptors fan but a fan of the nba and to their to the other leagues credit they are doing uh, their part in trying to raise raise awareness as well, but I do think that the NBA is absolutely fearless when it comes to this, especially just having the 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 actual terms Black Lives Matter on their courts, big bold letters on their courts. Man, that that's it's beautiful for me. So, uh, shout out to the NBA. I, I'm very proud of what they're doing when it comes to raising awareness, and uh, yeah, I'm proud of you too, man. I know you said you didn't want kudos, but still, it it's worth saying. Do move on or for our last sort of Raptors-related content. Look, again, we've had four games coming into this this bubble seeding pl- uh, series, rather. I, we sort of touched on them, but I do want to get into the weeds a little bit more. I want you to tell me a player that has really wowed you so far and someone that you're like, not enough, man, I need to see more. If you want to name more than one player in, in both of those categories, you're more than welcome <laughs> to do so, but go ahead, man, what do you got?
0: How could you not be impressed with Fred Van yep. Fleet? I said it at the top of the show. He's been the best Raptor in the bubble. And I know there's a propensity. If you say anything that can be perceived as a slight against Lowry, Raptors Twitter will bully you into submission. And hey, <laughs> look, I got a pet, uh, I got a, not a pet peeve. I got a peep peeve okay. for you. all right. Look, Raptors fans, if some person you've never met who you wouldn't take advice from tells you Lowry isn't good, and your first inclination is to bully them into submission, that tells me you're an asshole. (laughs) Because you know what? Bullies are assholes. Have confidence in Lowry. And you know what I've never seen on Twitter, Adam? Lowry sucks. He's he's not one of the best. He's a horrible point guard. No, Lowry's good, you fuckface. You know what? You actually changed my mind. Thanks for opening my eyes. That (laughs) never happens on Twitter. You're not changing people's minds. So why is it so important for everyone if some fucking teenager in Montana thinks Trey Young is better than Lowry? Like, why do we put so much stock in that? Everybody whose opinion I respect, and I'm not even just talking about the Raptors independent media. I'm talking about the Zach Lowe's of the world, the Brian Windhorst of the world, uh, the Kirk Goldsberries of the world. They all say Lowry's amazing. Mm. You're not going to have 100% approval rating. So Raptors fans, the more you feel the need to defend Lowry, it tells me that you don't believe Lowry is good because you should have the confidence to be like, this person doesn't know what they're talking. Move on to the next. Yeah. Anyways, Pete Peeve over. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Van Fleet, best he's been the best Raptor in the bubble, period. 20 points per game. He's upped his points. He's hitting 46% of his threes. Uh, sorry, 46% of his shots, 44% of his threes almost. He dropped a career high against the Heat. He was the best player against the Magic. Like, he has brought it. And I know OG, that first game against the Lakers, he was like, what, a ridiculous eight for nine or something? Yeah. And and had an experience played amazing offensive despite having to ex- expend all that defensive energy guarding LeBron. He still brought it offensively. He's kind of trickled out offensively a little. The defense is always there. A++. plus Don't get me wrong. The dude's our best defender. But after that 22 points that he got against the Lakers, he's just averaging 11.3 points right now. I Need a little bit more from OG. I need a little bit more from Norm. I need more than a Baca who's averaging eight points and only hitting 15% of his threes. Adam, right. we're three and one, but I, I want so much more. And you know, we talked about Siakam already, and that's 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 this huge upside of this team is that we somehow we look really, really good, but you know, you look under the cover, you look under the, the, the cover a little, it's there's still. You look on the, yeah, there's still like some flaws there that, not necessarily flaws, but some room for improvement. But Van Fleet, man, he deserves all the praise in the world. I'd like to see a little bit more from OG offensively.
1: Okay, that's fair. And you hit the nail on the head when it comes to Fred Van Fleet. He's been the most. Eye-opening player on this Raptors squad, especially against like LA. It wasn't the best Van Vliet performance. It, in fact, it's probably of the four games, it's probably his worst. And that doesn't even mean even mean it was bad. It's just of the four, that's probably his worst performance because he sort of did fall back into old Fred Van Vliet ways where he was dribbling the air out of the ball. And I do think that's more of a of of a, of a case of getting adjusted to game speed, probably reforming that chemistry with the team, even though they had three games before that the preseason games or whatever um to me I I think he's been outstanding and it baffles me that it, and I don't know that the Raptors will do it but this guy's gonna get a bag and it baffles me that people out there are thinking he's not gonna get anything close to a max contract I really believe he will I believe there is a team out there that will be more than happy to pay him a hundred over <laughs> yeah uh, three four <laughs> years for sure
0: yeah, you know, like uh, sometimes you'll hear the occasional "Oh, just let him let him walk." Yeah, Wait, you when gotta Lowell's keep him. Turning 35, 36. Yeah, Terrence Davis, he's gonna need a lot more seasoning. Like, guys, like I don't, Van. It's just unfathomable to me. Like Van Fleet is irreplaceable on this team. He Siakam. OG, that's the future of this team. That's the core three moving forward. And Van Fleet, you know, he's learned under the Lowry tree. He plays very much like Kyle Lowry. Mm. And a lot of credit goes to Lowry for mentoring his eventual replacement. Like, how many players would do that? You think about like, like you can tell Van Fleet plays with that determination that Lowry does. And there's nothing more fun than watching. Fred Van Fleet drive to the basket. He doesn't even care if there's a fender in him. Like he absorbs so much contact, drives through them as if they're not even there, and finds some acrobatic way to finish at the rim. Like, yeah, Fred Van Fleet, man, like he's like if if they sign, if I know I've seen like, oh, maybe four eight. If they get him for four eighty, I consider that steal. a deal.
1: A steal. Yeah.
0: I can, like I've said this from the get go, some team is going to throw four years, 120, 130 at him. I think he comes back not on a hometown discount, but on an organizational discount, a four year, 100 to $110 million deal. And I would be happy with that because he's like, Lowry's not going to be like this forever, guys. Lowry's not playing until he's 55. No. Fred Van Fleet's the heir apparent.
1: Do you think that there's a chance that? they let Lowry walk Like, What is more important to you as a Toronto Raptors fan, maintaining Lowry's uh, Raptor status for as long as possible as if at a discount post next year or signing Fred Van Vliet and letting Lowry walk as a result because they can't afford him. And they're chasing those free agents in 2021.
0: So that's a good question. So Lowry's here for one more year for sure. Yes. Right. After this year, the in an ideal world, Lowry 30 however old he'll be when he's a free agent maybe there at some point there has there is a transition of power right mm-hmm. and the question is how does somebody like Lowry a six time all-star um sort of the, the the DNA of this team how does he handle that i like to think that he would handle that transition to sort of how fred van fleet was like in fred van fleet's second year in the league like maybe transition to that bench role yeah Um, But also, too, Masai and Bobby have shown that sentimentality comes in second over winning a title. Yes. And as much as Raptors fans like to pretend this didn't happen, they've, they've already almost traded him to the Knicks. This was back when we first had him. And Raptors fans don't want to admit this, but Masai was shopping Lowry and or DeMar prior to the Kawhi trade to get into the draft to draft uh, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't get the salaries to match. But Masai would have said goodbye to Lowry for SGA at the draft if he could have. And. Up And then we ended up, that didn't end up happening. We ended up shipping DeMar for Kawhi. So this guy doesn't have a sentimentality. And I guarantee you, it does not sit well with the organization that Lowry was willing to sit out training camp, preseason games, and even regular season games, unless they extended his contract, or he would have asked to be traded. The only Toronto Raptors beat writer who reported that was Michael Grange. There was no follow-up report. And Adam, if I'm a beat reporter, you know what my first question is when I see Lowry after reading that report? What what are your comments on this Michael Grange report? All of the beat writers are scared to fucking death to question anything about Lowry, that they don't even ask that simple question. And I guarantee you that did not sit well with Messiah Jiri and Bobby Webster. So I would not be surprised if this is Lowry's last year. And now everyone's going to come on Twitter and say, Peter, you're crazy. And then we trade Lowry for someone like we did DeMar. And then they're going to say, DeMar sucks now. Mm. Like we do with DeMar when he left, when we trade Lowry, people are going to say now Lowry sucks. And this new piece is the best piece. Cause that's the way it goes. DeMar DeRozan was the greatest Raptor of all time until we traded him. And then suddenly people say Norman Powell's better than him. It's like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> What's the matter with you? Demar's one of the top 15, 20 players in the league. The, when we, We're winning. DeMar led us to 59 wins. DeMar led us to 59 wins, led us to two games away from the finals. You know what other guards can't do that? Bradley Beal. Mm. I can name a whole host of shooting guards who've not been able to drag their team as far as DeRozan did. So do not disrespect DeRozan. And this time will happen when the young, the people who are all on the Lowry train now and the younger generation comes in and they start saying Siakam's the greatest Raptor of all time. And then all the Lowry truthers will be, feel old like how I feel old when people disrespect Vince Carter and DeMar DeRozan.
1: I love it. I love it. And you know, you know, Gearing it back to Fred VanVleet, I do think people are so hesitant to do that because, and I'm not necessarily thinking this might be true. I don't know how they're going to maneuver the their salaries or the cap. And remember, next year we still don't have Serge Ibaka or Marcus All on the books, right? I, I have no doubt that one of them will come back at sort of a discount, but after that, there's a lot of things opening up. And again, you still have to deal with OG Ananobi. Um, Norman Powell at that point won't have anything left on the book, so in, in the event that you want to keep him, you can or let him walk, we'll see. But I think people's biggest gripe about this is that if you do give Fred Van Vliet that much money, we'll say 110 was I think the fear is that's going to prevent them from getting a Giannis. And I'm not sold that that's true. I really don't think so. And again, th- we're dealing with people that when it comes to the front office of the Raptors, they know a lot more about how to manipulate the cap or how to go into the luxury tax if they want to pay it. That's on them. I think they'll figure out a way. But by no means do I think an extension for Fred Van Vliet, a lucrative one and a lengthy one, is going to prevent them from chasing after free agents in 2021.
0: No, and I keep I, – I, I don't care if people say we're capped out. We have no space. Jimmy Butler found his way to Miami, and Miami yeah. was capped out. There is always a way. And – It is. The Raptors are full steam ahead. They're going to get a meeting with Giannis at some point. And Masai Ujiri knows at this moment what his odds are of getting uh, Giannis. And a lot of this offseason will be very telling by the moves that he makes. And for all we know, Giannis signs his supermax. And this is a moot point. And maybe Masai even knows that's going to happen but they have a certain internal calculation that tells them what are their realistic chances. Like we all know, like teams just don't wake up on free agency and like, Oh, you want to join us? That's great. Let's do it. Like, this is not the reality of the league. And like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm similar to you. I don't like putting all our hopes that we are going to get Giannis, but we'll learn a lot. And you know, like just, we lost Kawhi, we have eyes on Giannis and we're still a threat to make the finals this team will this team will be built because there's a certain floor that you're going to hit with Siakam and Van Fleet as your two best players. I'm talking about as like Lowry and Gasol and Ibaka, like age out, right? This team is going to consistently be in the playoffs and Siakam has already proved he's a star. He could be a He could be the second star. He's trying, he's trying to show us now that he could be the first star. Mm. So if you're a superstar player, you're seeing this Raptors team that's already the third best team in the East. And you're like, man, if I'm on this team and I like this team just clicks already, like that the team is perfectly set up for a superstar to like sort of be plopped right down in the middle of it. Kind of like how Kawhi fit in yesterday. But I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. But you ha- it, it would be dumb not to think that the Raptors feel confident that they can get or get into the room with Giannis and make a compelling o- uh, offer.
1: Compelling offer. I don't want to compound the point more, but uh, I will say this. If in the event that Giannis does sign that Supermax, and there's a good chance that he will, right? I still think Milwaukee is the favorite and then Toronto. If he doesn't sign with Milwaukee, Toronto would then be the favorite. But if he does sign that Supermax and people out there saying, well, he can't sign Fred VanVleet to a lucrative contract because, well, that will prevent them from getting Giannis. If Giannis does sign that Supermax, you bet your ass you're going to wish you had Fred VanVleet at that point. So at that yeah. point, you want to take the bird in hand, take the bird in hand. And then in 2021, you deal with it then.
0: And you think Giannis is, he's going to wait a minute. You let Van Fleet go? Yeah. I want to come there to play with Van Fleet, yeah. Siakam and OG. Like yeah. he doesn't want to be in a situation where they're cutting Brogdon. They're letting Brogdon walk away for money. Like if I'm a star player, I'm be like, wait a minute, you let like a, a young 25 year old Ace point guard walk away just to sign me?
1: Like, no, I want to play with him. Right. What's the like? Where's the where's the um, allure of coming to the Raptors at that point? Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, uh, let's move on. And Peter, I gotta say, it's time to bring it back, man.
0: It's time for the two sweet moment of the week here on the South of the Six podcast.
1: It has been far too long since we've done a two sweet moment of the week on this show. So, dude, I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to let you go first. What is your two-sweet moment of the week as it returns to the show? I Adam, I,
0: I, I spoiled my two-sweet moment of the week earlier, <laughs> and I regret it. But it has to be... LeBron hitting those consecutive threes and OG following up hitting his own consecutive threes. That was, the for me, the two-sweet moment of the
1: week. And I'm sorry that I spoiled it, but that's it for me. It's all good. It's all good. Look, I'll, I'll do you one better. It's the same game, and it's an OG sequence. It's the same game, about a minute left in the fourth quarter, just a little bit more than that. Uh, Lowry got a rebound. Outlet pass to Van Vliet for a fast break. No dribble alley-oop to OG Ananobi. It was a thing of beauty. It made me put the Wolfpack high in the air. <laughs> I love nice. that moment. And they immediately called the timeout after that. I was like, okay, Raptors are back. The Raptors are, have arrived. This is the team we know. That, it made me jump out and say, there it is. That's the two-sweet moment of the week. <laughs> I love it. Gotta love it. All right. Um. So, look, we got four games left. We got four games left in the bubble until the playoffs. We got Memphis, we got Milwaukee, we got Philly, we got Denver. Now, tomorrow's start time. We're recording this Saturday, August 8th. Tomorrow's start time, Sunday at 2 o'clock. It's kind of a weird start time, but I guess late in the season, it's not too weird, however you want to look at it. The Raptors versus the Grizzlies. Both teams will be wearing their throwbacks, so it's going to be really fun to watch. I was hoping they were going to do that. I love those Grizzlies jerseys. I really do, and I'm glad (laughs) they still say Vancouver on it. It's awesome. Um but yo they're going to play Jonas, uh against Memphis tomorrow at 2. Who do you got?
0: After a, after the Celtics embarrassment, like I said at the top, I feel bad to be a Grizzlies fan come Sunday. I could see them wanting to send a message, wanting to sort of get that bitter taste out of their mouth that was the the Friday night game against Boston and coming out um and and making a statement against Memphis as big as a statement that would be against a below 500 team in the yeah. West. And then you got Giannis on Monday and this would the Giannis game on Monday. That would be one where I would be okay with the bench. Maybe let the guy, the starters play like four minutes each quarter in the first half, maybe top them out at like, I would like to see, the Raptors do to the Bucks what the Nets what the Bucks did to the Nets. Just rest all your starters. We don't need to give them any more game footage. But let's be clear about that from the get go, so we don't have to say it after the loss. Oh, Nurse was holding his cards to his vest. Let's make right. it clear we're not. And by by the time we clinch the two seed, um, it, if we beat Memphis on Sunday, the two seeds clinched up. There's not much to play for, and I'm sure the Bucks. They don't want to give us too much of what they've been doing. But knowing this team, knowing Lowry, they might just go all out for all eight games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, I got I got a win tomorrow for sure against Memphis. Um, It's going to be fun watching them in the throwbacks. I can't say that enough Um, against Milwaukee. I'm still calling that a win. And it has a lot to do with what you said. I don't think Milwaukee is going to play a lot of their starters. But I do think the Raptors will, depending on what's going on with the Celtics and whatnot, if they want to absolutely lock up that two seed, I think that game against Milwaukee might be their best bet to do so mathematically. So I'm going to call that one a win. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but the Philly and Denver games, I'm calling those losses only because I do think the Raptors are going to have it locked at that point. I don't think that the star players are going to be uh, much involved. I think they're going to get some rest, even though they might not necessarily need it. I, I do think that there's a there's a sense of let's save our bullets. Again, I, I keep saying this for the playoffs. So that Philly game and that Denver game, I think they're going to lose, but I by no means do I think that's a reflection on the on the Raptors at all.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think, yes. I think we beat Memphis. We lock up the two seed. And I'm only betting on the Raptors' narrative. We're going to lose to the Bucs whether it's through rest, and it'll create more. They can't beat the Celtics. They can't beat the Bucks, the, You know, that, yeah. that sort of stew of doubt that we thrive in. And then I could see them handing it to Philly, and that being their last game where they go all out. And okay. then Denver, you know what? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. So I could, I'll, I'm could. i going to say win Grizzlies, lost Bucks, win Sixers, lost Nuggets.
1: All right, we still got two of four, either way how you slice it. And that Denver game right now, it's a Friday, it's a TBD. As far as I know, they still haven't announced the start time for that. So if it's a Friday night game, I don't think it will be. But if it is a Friday night game, you're just watching basketball for the fun of it and prepping yourself for the playoffs. But
0: Exactly.
1: Um, all right, so that's going to do it here. Now, before we go, I do want to say a couple of things. I want to say, for, for starters, last time you and I talked on the show was May 3rd, and we did not know the state of the NBA. We did not know what was going to happen we there the the aspect of a bubble was a mere whisper at that point so um it's good to talk basketball with you and i'm glad we're able to do this about about games that actually matter live raptors basketball and i do want to thank everybody that i've been interacting with on twitter look during this pandemic a lot of people have been dealing with their own personal stuff i'm not saying i was dealing with anything monumental or dealing with any mental health um issues at all and i i, I don't want to you know be sense insensitive to that point but I do say, I will say I have missed this. I have missed this incredibly. And and I'm it was so good on that Lakers game to be interacting with people again, to be talking about Raptors basketball, to be talking about these things. Again, looking forward to this podcast, planning it out the way I used to do when the season was alive and well. This has meant so much to me. So I really want to say thank you to everybody that has been, you know, interacting with me on Twitter, that has been interactive with the show, keeping this going means so much to me especially during the absence. since really it does um that being said peter last time i said you were on the show may 3rd i want to go back in our way back machines you had this to say back when you were last on the show check it out
0: and hopefully the season gets going in the not too distant future and we can resume interacting on twitter and all that fun stuff and um normally at this point in the podcast this is where i would say the four most famous words in the history of the South of the Six podcast. Is that correct, Adam? It is correct. But if okay <laughs> with you, I'd like to save those four words for another time. Okay. A, di- a different time. A more normal time, if you will. A better-
1: I think we're there. I think we're at a better time. I think we're at a more normal time. So, Peter, the floor is yours. Take it away.
0: So, you can find my work, lifeandrepeat.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Life in Repeat, and I agree with Adam. It's good to get back into, for lack of a better word, the routine of things. I'm writing again. It's great to think about sports. It's great to chat with Adam about sports. And, no, Adam and I, we're still aware of all the issues going on in the world, and we're doing our best to spotlight that, how we can in our personal lives and on our online lives. But before I go... I'd like to take this time to remind everyone that, yes, sports are essential. Sports help create a sense of community. And I couldn't be more proud to be a fan of the NBA right now. So, yes, sports are essential. Without sports, we wouldn't have the Raptors Twitter community, Adam, that you and I are part of. And Adam, you said it. How fun was it to be back interacting on Twitter during Raptors games? It was awesome. Oh yeah. And I've truly been enjoying these games, not just because I missed Raptors basketball, but because these games, you know, they allowed me to realize how much I genuinely missed live tweeting during games and interacting with all of you. So yes, sports are essential. Without sports, I wouldn't be chatting with Adam right now. Without sports, I wouldn't have gotten to know Adam and the other talented and much smarter members of the Raptors' independent media. And without sports, Adam, you know, he wouldn't have flew my wife and I out first class to Boston. (laughs) He wouldn't have put us up in a luxury hotel so we could record the first ever live and in-person episode of the South of the Six podcast back in February. And without sports, I wouldn't know Adam. There wouldn't be a South of the Six podcast. There wouldn't be a life and repeat website. Who knows what Adam, Adam, who knows what you'd be doing? Perhaps, you know, and I'm just spitballing here. Maybe you and your wife would have like a parenting podcast. Who knows? I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if I think back to how the vast majority of my friendships started, sports was the icebreaker. Hmm. So, yes, sports are essential. Now hit my music. I
1: think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks that drives a cool wild. I've got the moves that really move them I sit chill, yeah. up and down that spine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy.